What it do, baby? Welcome back to episode five of the Basketball Junkies podcast. I'm your host, Sadie K. I'm with my boy, the one and only Slim H. What up, what up, everyone? It's your boy, Slim H. I don't know about you, Sadie, but I feel like we're improving every episode. Our flow is getting better, and we're getting more and more comfortable each episode. I think the sky's the limit with this podcast, and I'm super excited to get started today, so let's get to it. Yeah, I know. We've been getting great feedback from all our listeners. We really appreciate it. Before we get started, I want to wish a Ramadan Mubarak to everyone celebrating this holy month. But yeah, without further ado, let's hop into the first segment of the show, the weekly wrap-up. Bro, Slim H, I don't know what it was this week, but yo, these players were going off. For those of you who follow us on IG, we made a post about all the crazy stat lines that happened this week. I'm not going to read them all off one by one because there's no point. You guys can just go on our IG. But I do want to mention some names that caught my eye because I'm not looking at one hit wonders, bro. I'm trying to look at what people did throughout the week. One of the players that snapped this week in four games, Zion Williamson. My guy averaged 31 points, eight rebounds, five assists, 59% from the field. He had two monstrous games back to back. 38 points, 37 points respectively, and they won those two games. The team went 2-2 two and two this week. It's not the greatest, but at least the games he was dominant, they won. This dude is scary, probably one of the best young talents we have in this league. I just hope he can develop a jump shot at some point and control his weight, but yo, this guy is scary. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Sadie. I mean, he's, he's a monster on the court. He's, he's, he's amazing. Unstoppable. I watched him on Sunday night against the Cavs. Close game, which he pulled out. Under two minutes, two straight possessions. Basically, really easy. Pick and roll. Get the switch. They got Isaac Okoro onto Zion. It's a barbecue chicken, like Shaq says. Barbecue chicken. Once you get a little mismatch like that on Zion, it's over. One dribble, straight to the rim, blow by. Easy. I mean, he's unstoppable. He's easily a top five player to watch in the NBA right now. Bro, I thought you were going to give some ridiculous take. Like, he's a top five player in the NBA right now, bro. I was about to turn off this podcast right now. But yeah, it's barbecue chicken, barbecue chicken. Another player that caught my eye was Jason Tatum. Look, I'm not a Celtics fan in any way. I hate giving Celtics credit, but yo, they went 3-1 and one this past week. They had a crazy comeback against the Nuggets. My guy averaged 31.5 points per game, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 49% from the field, 39% from 3. He is the reason the Celtics are scary in my opinion. He can go off. He can carry your team to a win. And they are a lower seed, bro. So some of those upper-ranked teams, they should be scared to match up with him This in the playoffs, to be honest. Like, I don't know if I were the friggin' Heat or the Hawks or the Hornets, all those teams that are, you know, in the 4-5, four, 4-range, four 4-3-2. I don't know if they, I would want to match up with the Celtics. Uh, also, I got to give some honorable mentions to my Raptors, even though Spicy P has become mild P since the bubble last year. Bro, as if this guy double dribbled in the friggin' clutch, man. This guy's 0-7 in clutch moments this year. Worse than DeMar. At least DeMar friggin' hit a buzzer beater against the Mavs on Sunday. But nonetheless, Gary Trent crazy game he dropped 44 points 17 of 19 shooting the last player to have that high percentage and score that many points was clay thompson he's like a poor man's clay in my opinion because he plays defense he can shoot the three but he's a better version of danny green in 10 games with the raptors 18.4 points three rebounds two assists one steal 47 percent from the field which is honestly i'm i'm pretty surprised at that number 41 percent from three Yo, at least he's like, it's consistency, I think, what we want in these players that we've gotten. Like he said, he finally feels comfortable in a place and he finally feels wanted, which is great. 
the core is picking up. Honestly, this team is, it's all dependent on Pascal. Like if Pascal can take that next leap, this team could be scary, but bro, my guy's playing like mild P. Yeah, no, Gary Trent Jr., he's been balling for the Raptors so far. He had a crazy game winner against the Wizards last week. And his 44-point game, he was on fire. He was looking, like you said, he was looking like Clay Thompson out there. I love his game. Uh, I really liked him in the bubble last year against the Lakers. That's kind of when I first noticed him when he was playing for Portland. Uh, just a feisty guy. He was kind of trash-talking LeBron a bit. He wasn't, wasn't backing down. So I love to pick up for the Raptors. But also, I want to go back to the Lowry trade, or trade that didn't happen. You trade Powell, you get a young prospect like Gary Trent, and he's balling. Why wouldn't you try to trade an aging, expiring contract like Lowry and get an even better, younger prospect? That's the one issue I have with the Raptors right now. I w- I've said this numerous times in the podcast. I would have tried to trade Lowry, and you could have got someone like Matisse Fiebel or uh, Tyrese Maxey. The problem was... When we were dealing with Miami, they didn't want to include include Tyler Hero. They only wanted to include Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson has been having a down year. So honestly, I'm not trading Lowry for Duncan Robinson. With the Sixers, they didn't want to give up both Maxi and Tybal. Would I take just Tybal or just Maxi? Probably at this point, because Lowry's barely playing as it is. And the Raptors are honestly, bro, we got slapped by the Bulls. That was just disrespectful. We lost to the Knicks. Oh my goodness, bro! But nor here nor there. I want to give out a. Sh- I want to give another shout out to a Raptor, Chris Boucher. Four games this week, crazy numbers: twenty-one points, eleven rebounds, two point three blocks, fifty-one percent from the field. Look, that's a great week, but this is a key point. He's too volatile. That's why he won't win Sixth Man of the Year. Like, if you look at his month of March, like there's games like where he gets like four, five, six points in sixteen minutes. It's because he's too small, he's too skinny, he's too wiry framed, bro. He's like me in high school. He can't take no punishment. He gets bullied, which is why, you know, that pickup of Kem Birch, it's good for the Raptors, it's good for Kem Birch. There are minutes to be won here because Aaron Baines just hasn't panned out. But Boucher, I love him. He has a weird, weird shot. He has a high motor, but he's got to add some muscle. Because without him adding that muscle, yo, he gets dominated inside. He's a liability. But I just wanted to give him a, a notable mention for this week. Yeah, no, I, re- I really think the Ken Birch pickup will help the Raptors a lot. Look, at uh, Boucher right now, he's playing center, but he's not a center. He's a power forward. Until he adds a lot of muscle, there's no way he can guard Joel Embiid on the block or any other big NBA centers. So I really do like the Ken Birch pickup, and I think he's going to be pretty effective. He's had a pretty good solid season under the radar season uh, for the Magic. So uh, look out for the Raptors, potentially trying to get into the play-in games. Uh, I got a couple players on my uh, stat lines of the week who I thought really shined out. Well, number one was Ennis Cantor on Saturday night. He had a, a Portland Trailblazer record, 30 rebounds and 12 offensive rebounds. Like You, you don't hear that. Only only guys who even came close to those numbers in the past, Kevin Love on Minnesota and Dwight Howard when he was on Orlando. Those are monster numbers. And I don't know about you, but I think Ennis Cantor, if, if he could play a little bit of pick and roll defense, because he's like, probably the worst pick and roll defender in the NBA. He is atrocious. If this guy could play a little bit of pick and roll defense, I think he'd be an all-star, an all-NBA player. I know it's going to sound a little crazy, but this guy is a monster on the boards. Best offensive rebounder in the NBA. Unstoppable scoring. His hands are amazing. I just, if he could play a little bit of defense, he'd easily be an all-star in my opinion. Yeah, no, he was a top five pick. All-NBA. Look, offensively, guy has talent. It's great. But the problem is, you're right, you can't play defense. And there are so many big men. Even if you look at Jonas, guy puts up monster numbers, but he can't play pick-and-roll defense. 
It's just, I don't know what it is. He, they don't work on their lateral movements in the summer, bro. Like, I just don't, I don't know what it is, man. I don't know how your job is to be in the NBA, yet you don't improve in some categories throughout your entire career. Mind bog. Yeah, no stuff. But I also have one more guy who had a monster night. Zach Levine, Friday night against the Hawks. Top two shooting guard in the NBA. Zach Levine. 50 points. Eight boards. Five assists. Seven three-pointers made. 39 points in the first half. This dude was on fire. I don't know if you saw the highlights. I don't know if any of you listening saw the highlights. If not, go watch his highlights. This guy was out of this world. The net was basically two times the size. He could hit anything. He was pulling up. He was off a of dribble freeze, pull up freeze, anything he wanted. It was going in. No one can guard him. He slowed down. I really thought he could have had 70 point game the way he was shooting. He slowed down a bit in the second half. But man, he was on fire. One of the best offensive performances I've ever seen. Bro, did you just say he slowed down a little bit? My guy, he went from 39 points to 11 points. That's not a little bit. And you just said he's a top two shooting guard in the league. This guy's doubling down on these outrageous takes. Yo, anyone listening? I'm letting you know right now. I'm accepting all applications, bro. You could know nothing about basketball and I'll take you on as my co-host right now, bro. This is insane. First of all, everyone who's been listening, my opinion of Zach Levine, he does not play winning basketball. He dropped 50 points. They still lost. The games this week that he did not have outrageous scoring numbers, and they won. One against the Raptors, one against the Pacers. Then he went and dropped 50 against the Hawks. They lost. He dropped 30 against the Wolves. They lost. Come on, bro. You lose to the Hawks and the Wolves? Crazy. You can't have a 50-point game and lose. That's what I mean. Like Maybe the um, volume he shoots at contributes to his averages, but I just don't think he plays winning basketball maybe that's because he's never been on a winning basketball team in his career but he can't be the leader of your team you need a veteran to lead him so he can start knowing how to win yo go get Kyle Lowry go get Chris Paul you'll learn how to win yeah well now they got Vucevic yo they got a leader I know he hasn't won that much but he's finally got a guy who can help him out a bit I said last podcast it's gonna take a little while we're not gonna see the results probably this year but next year this is a team to watch out for they got to get acclimated a bit they're literally they played what like five or six games together it takes time and he was injured for a couple of the games takes time give him a chance he's finally got a guy who can help him out yeah yeah but bro what are you talking about right now anyways anyways other news came out in the nba it was the signing of ben mclemore to the lakers honestly i think it's a great pickup he play. He's a three and D. He's just like another Caldwell Pope. But bro, anyone who can shoot the three ball with LeBron James as your ball handler, you're gonna just wide open looks are gonna come nonstop. In his one season on a good team with the Rockets, he shot forty percent from three, ten points per game. I think LeBron James opens up the floor more than James Harden. Plus, they have Anthony Davis. I think this is a solid pickup for them. When in the game against the Nets, even though the Nets were just missing James Harden and Kyrie got ejected, I do not care you still had blake you still had aldridge you still had kd you still had harris you still had your key players and you lost but anyways he dropped 17 points five of 10 from three just imagine what happens when lebron comes back like i think this is a great great pickup for them hey man couldn't agree more showing some love to my lakers like a great pickup lebron's gonna love this guy lebron like you mentioned any three-point shooter lebron's gonna make it look, look look good simple as that I think he's going to get big minutes in the playoff off the bench. He'll be important to the Lakers, I really do think. Especially if KCP, he hasn't been shooting as well. If uh, McLemore, he can play a little bit D. Not as good as KCP, but he can shoot a lot better. That guy is a shooter. Straight out of Kansas, seventh pick uh, a while back. 
hasn't really panned out as well, but he can shoot. That's one thing he can do. He can shoot. Look, all that is doing is adding another excuse for a LeBron. Because all you fans, he's going to, in the key moment, he's going to make a pass, just like he did to Kyle Korver. He's going to make a pass to Ben McElmore. He's going to miss. And then you guys are going to be like, oh, yo, that guy made the right basketball play. You know, sometimes it's not about the right basketball play. But, you know, no, no, we can't talk about this. We have a long episode ahead of us. But no, solid pickup. Yeah, no. But I also want to talk about, let's talk about Saturday night. My guy Drummond, who you're hating on, he looked nice. He dominated the Nets. No one could stop him. He dropped 20 points, 11 boards on him. Nobody could guard him. The Marcus Aldridge hadn't, he didn't want any of that trouble. I remember if you go look on YouTube, viral video, and one on Aldridge. What did Drummond do? He said, too small, too small. And which it is. And that's a little scary for me. I've mentioned before I had reservations about the Nets. If Drummond's dominating their front court like that, Andre Drummond, how are they going to stop Embiid? How are they going to stop Giannis? If Andre Drummond's dominating like that, I know it's just one game, but if he's dropping 20 and 11, how are they going to get out of the East? Who's going to stop Embiid? Who's going to stop Giannis? I mean, if they do make it to the finals, when the Lakers meet them, who's going to stop AD and Drummond when AD's healthy? Like, I just have major issues with their defense bro weren't you hyping up some young kid on the nets last podcast but anyways the nets methodology right now is when they're all healthy which is kd Kyrie, harden they'll have joe harris they can plug in blake they can plug in lamarcus deandre that young kid you were talking about and they'll stretch the floor and then andre drummond is neutralized the only player they really have to worry about is anthony davis but then I can ask the same question the other way. Who's guarding KD? Who's guarding James Harden? Who's guarding Kyrie? Who's guarding Blake? Who's guarding Joe Harris? Like all, like they just have options just to throw and throw and throw and ruin the NBA and throw and throw. So it's a, it's, it's a wrap. Uh, Lakers are the best defensive team in the NBA. They can throw lots of people at Durant. They can throw lots of people at Harden and Kyrie. KCP, who we already mentioned. Caruso. Schroeder's not, not even that bad in defense. They got lots of guys. Don't forget LeBron. Who I fought before his injury, he was. I think he's, he's going to make all all defensive first team. I really do think he was having a great season as a defender. And you got AD. AD can lock up KD any day of the week, as best as anyone can do. Obviously, you can't stop KD. You ask any defender, I'll take AD any day. His length can cause trouble for KD. But I'll, let me ask you a question. I, I have another issue with the Nets. They're big three: Kyrie, Harden, and Durant. They've only played seven games together, and KD's came back for an injury, and it's looking good. Oh, now Harden's out for at least 10 days. They've only played seven games together. You don't think that's an issue? Because I'm seeing big big issues come playoffs if they're all healthy. Where's the chemistry? It takes time. Especially three ball-dominant players, it takes time. I just have major issues. No, no, it's a valid, valid point. We're going to talk about the Nets and KD later on in the podcast. But no, I do take into account what you're saying. But sometimes when you have overload of talent, you'll figure it out. Eh, I guess. But I got one more thing to say. You got to put some respect on my kid's name. The kid you said, the young kid. He has a name, Nicholas Claxon. And he he can stop Drummond. He's a dominant defensive player. I just I mentioned before, I have worries about Steve Nash when he plays LaMarcus, when he plays Blake. Look, he's not getting any more minutes than Claxon. He's getting like 10, 15 minutes a game. It sucks for him. He's not, he's not going to be a big factor in this playoffs probably. Unless Steve Nash wakes up and realizes, hey, this is how we're going to slow down and beat a bit. This is how we're going to slow down Drummond if we meet in the finals. Put some respect on his name. He's got he's got a name. His name is Nicholas Claxton. That's all I got to say. Bro, the only Claxton I know is Speedy Claxton, okay? Hop off my line. He's a nobody. You're going to win with the talent, bro. They overloaded on talent, man. Anyways, there is some sad, sad news coming out of the Bay, Bay Area. Uh, James Wiseman injured. Looks like he's done for the year. Torn meniscus. 
feel bad for the kid. He hasn't had like a dominating rookie year, but it was still it was still all right. 11 points, six rebounds. I thought he would have been a more prominent feature in the offense, but it's a decent rookie year. I was listening to the I Am Athletes podcast and they were talking about how like there's so many more injuries in football and basketball. And that's just because they are playing all year round, right? They don't really have summers off anymore. They don't take the time. It's basketball 24-7 for these young kids when they come into the NBA and it's just a different level. Their body can't take it. It's it's tough, man. And honestly, with him injured, LaMelo injured, it's just basically looking to be like the Ant-Man is going to win Rookie of the Year. Yeah, no, it's definitely a tough break for James Wiseman. Uh, people got to realize this was his college season, basically. He played only, I think, one or two games at Memphis before he sat out last year. So he has no really next level experience. So everyone knew going into the season he was going to be raw. He hasn't shown much this year at all. He's shown a few flashes here and there offensively, but defensively, he's been terrible in the pick and roll defense. He's looked lost a lot of times, and he's been disappointment on that end. I do think he has potential, but it's going to take two to three years for him to develop, and that's an issue for the whole Warriors in general, and why I thought they should at least trade the pick, because you got Curry, who just turned 33. He's in his prime, going towards the end of his prime, most likely. You don't have two to three years to develop a player. You're in win now. You got arguably the second best point guard in NBA history behind Magic Johnson in his prime. You can't waste that. You've already won, what is it, three rings with him. Why not more? You lost last season. You have Clay out this year with injury. You need someone who can contribute right now. I don't know what the market was like at the time, but they definitely could have got a low-tier potential all-star for a white, for the number two pick in the NBA draft. I, don't, I just don't understand why they wouldn't try to trade that pick away. And especially instead of drafting James Wiseman, could have had LaMelo Ball. It may not have been the best fit, but Wiseman, he's, he's barely played. He has no experience. You know it's going to take him a while for him to develop. I just don't get why you wouldn't try to trade that pick away. I think part of the reason why they didn't try to trade that pick away as well was because just adding more money to the books would have been more difficult for them. That's probably one of the key factors. But hey, look, they were trying to basically redo what they did on those winning seasons, right? They thought they were going to have Clay, Steph, Draymond. They had a competent big man all those years. They had Bogut, they had Looney, they had they got Wiggins, which is supposed to be like their Harrison Barnes, right? So they just tried to recreate the pre-Durant era with James Wiseman. Obviously didn't pan out. Yeah, no, going back on one thing you said, I, d- I did forget uh, I think Clay's, Clay's injury did happen after the draft. So they did have a decent team with Steph, Clay, and Draymond. And then Wiseman will be plugged in there. But still, I think, especially you got Steph and Clay healthy, Andre, all those guys are in their prime. They're only going to have a few more years left as top dogs, I think. Well, what's a rookie going to do? When's the last time a, a rookie helped on an NBA championship team? Greatly. Yeah, I can't remember. Off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure Tim Duncan, which is what, now 23 years ago? That's the last time. Because what, as a rookie, he came in and they want a chip, right? So Yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's, it's very rare. So I, that's why I, I would have traded the pick, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I feel for the Wiseman kid, to be honest. It's a tough year for him. He's been speaking to KD on how to acclimate himself inside of the Warriors offense. It's kind of difficult when Draymond's your teammate. There's videos of him like po- poking him in the chest, yelling at him. I don't know if that's the way some of these kids learn nowadays. It's tough. But honestly, this is a perfect segue for me to talk about Kevin Durant and Draymond Green. Recently, Draymond Green appeared on Kevin Durant's podcast called The Etceteras, and he had something to say about today's NBA players. He basically said they're soft. He found himself trying to talk shit to some of these players. They wouldn't respond. They want to be buddy-buddy with him. He doesn't understand it. He says the competition level is at a low point, even though the talent is at such a high fo- high level because they're all friends look this is what i have to say man put the virtual non-existent camera on me because i gotta say something with my chest right now 
Draymond has gotten into this headspace like he's some top dog in the NBA. I used to love Draymond Green just because he was a player that wasn't afraid of other players. But this winning with the Warriors has gotten to his head. One, he made a statement. He's the best defender in NBA history. No, you're not. You're not even close. Somehow you think you're better than Chuck and you can disrespect Chuck just because you have rings. You're not even in the same stratosphere. Three, him talking about the competitive level. Bro, you went and recruited Kevin Durant after you just lost to LeBron James in the NBA Finals. Like, what are you talking about? If you were a true competitor, you would have been like, yo, let's go at it again. Why would you go recruit the guy who had you guys down 3-1? You beat that dude. You didn't need him to make your team better. You guys were up 3-1 against the friggin' Cavs. Where's the dog in you? The dog in you would have been like, oh, yo, we're going to go beat LeBron's ass. Did you see Chuck going to recruit Gary Payton after they lost to Michael Jordan in the NBA Finals? Like, this guy has fallen off so hard. I don't know why they think that just because they're not winning, they have the ability to talk. Look, I'm not a hater. These guys are at an elite level. But, bro, watching Draymond play right now, my man who's known being triple singles, bro, he's scared to shoot. They're treating him like Ben Simmons on the floor. You need to focus on improving your game to help your team get better. The fact that you don't have Clay and you guys are still a bottom of the West team, that's on you. That's not on Steph. You're supposed to be this top dog player. Why can't you make your team better? Don't talk about the competitive level. You are in the era of super teams. There's no, there's, if you were playing in the 90s, that's, yes, to me, the peak of competitive, even early 2000s. Not what you, you're not some old head. You're a part of this era. You got to shut up and just play the game, man. He talks too much. I don't know what happened to this dude to think that his opinion on these certain things has carries some sort of weight, but it doesn't. I'm sorry. First off, Sadie, I think you got to put a bit of respect on Draymond's name. I think you're hating on him a bit too much. Uh, he is one of the best defenders in NBA history, without a doubt in my mind. He may not get all the numbers block-wise, st- steals-wise, but in terms of team defense, there's not many guys better than him. He can impact a game just by the way he communicates on defense and with his help rotations. Also, you say he's not putting up Great numbers this year. He's been kind of falling off a bit. He's, he's dominating out there on the Warriors. He's averaging, I think, career high, I think, eight assists a game. He's I don't think he's ever been better offensively and passing-wise. Shooting-wise, I don't know what ever happened to his jump shot. I remember game seven when they lost to the Cavs. If Kyrie didn't have a jumper, everyone would be talking about Draymond Green in the game he had. I think he had like seven threes, six or seven threes that game. Back then, he was shooting the free ball. Ever since then, he hasn't been able to shoot. That's one, one mystery to me, where his jump shot went. But in terms of playmaking... I mean, he's never been better in that regards. You check the on-off numbers on offense and defense with Draymond. Uh, the Warriors are way better team with him on the court, and he's dominant. Uh, in terms of his comments, I-, I love him. I love the comments. I couldn't agree with him more. The NBA and the players and its players, it's too friendly. It's too soft. Way too soft. You see all the NBA players before a game, you got to give your pregame daps, have a little laugh, hug it out after the game, talk a bit. Like, I, I don't want that stuff. I want beef. I want fights. I want intensity. I want a little aggression. You know, I don't want way too friendly. If I'm in the NBA, I'm a player. I'm out there to win. That's my that's my number one goal. I'm not dapping up a guy before a game. That's the enemy. <laughs> like I'm there to win. So I, I couldn't agree with Draymond's comments more. I think the NBA is way too soft. Okay, I'm not disagreeing with what Draymond said. I'm just saying he's been on the news so much for what he says. His opinion carries some sort of great weight. Bro, he's still a part of this era. This softness that he talks about, he's a part of it. 
He went and recruited players. Even after they lost Kevin Durant, you heard rumors like, oh, even when he was on TNT, like he was trying to recruit some players. Like just because he might not dap up a player before a game, the way he's trying to set up his team ruins the competitive level of the NBA. And it has. Just look at the effect. We started with the Celtics. Then LeBron's just done it repeatedly with every team he joins. KD did it with the Warriors. KD's now done it with the Nets. Like it's insane. The area is just, it's not just about dapping up players in that mentality. The mentality of wanting to recruit players to make your team so great is what's ruining this game. And he's a part of that issue. That's why I'm saying like what he's saying doesn't make sense. It's, it's, it's hypocritical. Well, first of all, maybe I went a little too far on dapping them. Okay. You can dab and even Draymond, everyone, everyone dabs up before the game, but I'm talking more about the post game issue. I have post game hugs, post game chatter. You just lost a game. Why are we, like I see guys they lose a game, hard fought game, and they, they go up to the, the opposing players. Oh, they start laughing, smiling, hugging it out. You just lost. Care a little bit. Your professional NBA, your goal should be to win. Should be to win every game. It's not to go hug a guy after a game. If I'm playing against one of my best friends and I lose, I'm not gonna go hug him. I'm not gonna go talk to him after the game. I should be angry. And I just don't see that competitiveness. Just like Draymond said, it's way too friendly in the NBA. And I think the NBA. Is to blame in part. It's not just the players. It's the NBA to blame. They fostered this so unquote softness, and it's just ballooned the past five or six years. I think uh, they've created an envi- the NBA has created an environment where trash talking, even tra- fighting, aren't allowed at all. Even a little bit of trash talking, you get technical. Look, take Saturday for example. Kyrie shorter, a little just a little trash talking. Who knows what they said? That's another story. But quick technical, just like that, just because they go talk to each other's face for a bit. Like, why are we getting technical for that? It's the refs are to blame for a lot of this softness, I think. Also, easy, quick text. A guy gives a little stare. Dunk, you dunk on someone. You better go on his face. You better flex on him. Like, oh, no, but you can't because you, you do, you even stare at him, even look at him. You get technical. That's why, like, Andre Jumman, when he did his little small, he's too small to Aldridge on Saturday night. I'm like, I'm surprised he got, didn't get a tech for that. That's the way the NBA has become. Time out, time out, time out, time out. No part of me is saying I don't want that. But you have to take everything with context. We're talking about Draymond here. Who is he to say the NBA is too soft now when he's a part of this era? That's what's getting to me. Because he does that. You can't tell me there's not videos of him going to dap up players. He's out here recruiting superstars to join his team. You can't talk about softness and then go on and be the best recruit out there to always create a super team, which is also ruining the competitive level. He's a part of the problem which is why it got to me. I agree with you. There should not be technicals on dunks, all that stuff. The NBA is definitely soft, but it shouldn't be coming from him. He hates on people like Chuck and Shaq who say those things. So it just grinds my gears when I hear him say things like that. Yeah, no, I went off a little topic. I was ranting. That's my little rant about the NBA. But no, I do agree with Draymond. He He is part of the problem. But He's not, like I said before, he's not fully to blame. Another person to blame is the media. I mentioned this a few episodes before. Just the emphasis and, and fans, the emphasis on rings, rings. If you don't have rings, you're trash. If you don't have rings, you're not going to make the Hall of Fame. If you don't have rings, you're not better than this guy. It's what the media and the fans, they emphasize so much. So I, like you said, Draymond is to blame a bit, but I don't blame him that much. I can't blame him. You lose. Yeah, you want to go recruit the best player. Simple as that. Because you need, you need to win rings. So that basically means you don't think you're good enough as you are to beat LeBron James. You are up 3-1. You don't think you're good enough. That's basically what you're telling me. So I just want to go skew 
everything by going to pick up the second best player in the NBA. That's what you're telling me. So then you're soft. You're soft is what you're telling me. No, I, I can't disagree with you there. Uh, what Draymond did, recruiting them, whatever, whether he was uh, after game seven where he was, gave him a phone call or whatever it was in his car. Yeah, that is soft. But I do want to go back onto the NBA and how they fostered this environment. And I want to take another example. When Dennis Schroeder and OG Obi got caught up on a fast break a few games back. Hard foul, obviously. Technical foul? Yeah, I agree. That's a technical foul. But my biggest issue there was Fred Van Vliet and T. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker step on the court. They go to the break it up. Oh, they get a one-game suspension. That I disagree with. <laughs> like, I'm going to be a little controversial here. You let the guys onto the court. Let them do what they want. They want to... Need, need, I think you need a bit more fighting in the NBA. Not full-out fist fights, but you got to let these heated exchanges last a little longer. That's what sells. That's what the fans want. That's what I want. You look at like the Malice in the Palace. Obviously, that's an extreme. It shouldn't happen, but a little fighting never hurt anyone. Either, I forget, that, what was it, New York, Denver, a few years back? Or not a few years, but what was it, like, must be 10 years with Carmelo and a few other Knicks players. Like, that was a good fight. I think that's what the NBA needs a bit more of. Yeah, no, um, you couldn't even keep a straight face when you were saying the Malice in the Palace stuff. Like, this guy went to a, some next level extreme. I do think, I agree with you, that they do need to allow it to de-escalate on their own without the refs and everyone stepping in. I don't think... Players stepping off the bench should be suspended. But, you know, Malice in the Palace happened and it changed everything. But I want to go back to a point that you said about winning rings. Kevin Durant did an interview where he said he doesn't care about winning championships. Winning championships isn't the end-all be-all. That's not why he plays basketball. Yo, put the virtual non-existent camera back on me. Because I am sick and tired. Of these damn players, man. I'm not a hater. I love the NBA. I think it's the greatest sport of all time. But this guy seriously said he doesn't care about winning championships. Why did you go and recruit all these players? Why did you go to a super team? Super team? He can say all this now because he fast-tracked his way and got two rings with the Golden State Warriors. He left OKC. He didn't want the hard path. He went and played in Golden State. Then he went and teamed up with Kyrie, got Harden, Blake, Aldridge tried getting Drummond, got DeAndre Jordan. Is my guy serious? You changed your whole legacy. We used to talk about him like, oh, he's one of the best scorers of NBA history. Now we look at him like the softest superstar of all time. Look at how he reacts to so many things, talks to all these fans. Every tweet gets under his skin. Bro, don't get me wrong. In the finals, he put up some crazy numbers, but it's easy to put up crazy numbers when your team is stacked. They can't double you. You think those shots that happened in game three near the end of the game, back-to-back years from the same spot would happen if he wasn't on a stack team they would double him look at how they double Harden when he was on the Rockets they'd got the ball out of his hands at half court those things wouldn't be possible if he wasn't on a stack team what is this guy saying man like sometimes I don't think they like fully think about what they want to say before they say it like bro you do play basketball to be a winner you do care about rings that's why you've done what you've done look the Celtics big three they started but they were out of their prime LeBron, I said it earlier in the podcast, he made it worse because he jumps from team to team to team. But what Kevin Durant has been doing, the audacity of this guy. Get healthy, go in a ring, you ruined the league this year. Just shut up, man. I'm tired of hearing all this stuff, bro. We don't want you beefing with Michael Rappaport. We don't want you on a podcast with Draymond Green talking about some nonsense of competition and softness. Bro, you are so soft. You let every tweet get under your skin, my guy. I love that he interacts with fans, but don't. he gets emotional. He, he, he gets emotional, bro. He is soft like Charmin Ultra. I'm done. 
My blood is boiling. I can't. I can't. I can talk about this all day, but the audacity this guy has to say that he doesn't care about winning. The point of basketball is to win games. What other love do you have for the game other than winning a championship? Look, Sadike, me and you, for those of you who listen, we don't agree on most NBA takes. But what you just said about Kevin Durant, I mean, I couldn't even put it better. I agree with you 100%. What Kevin Durant did joining Golden State was the softest thing in NBA history. I lost all respect for him. I used to like it. I have a jersey in my closet right behind me. I used to be a big Kevin Durant fan. But after what he did joining that, I lost all the respect. It was, like I said, the softest move in NBA history. He says it's not, oh, it's not about rings anymore. It's about, oh, just becoming a better person, better player. Yeah, that's that's, that's all lies. You wouldn't have joined Kyrie if it wasn't about rings. You don't seem to mind Harden's there now. You don't seem to mind that, oh, Aldridge and Blake are there now to help out a bit. Yeah, because it's all about rings. I think what really hurt Kevin Durant was after he beat LeBron his first season on Golden State. And I think he expected people to, to give him the crown. That really hurt him. I think people expected, after he, he won the that finals, people to put a little respect on his name. People to, to say, he, oh, he's the best player in the NBA. Well, look, ladies and gentlemen, that never happened. And it never will. Because Kevin Durant will always be second fiddle to LeBron. And that really hurt him. That really, really hurt him, I think. Because he was expecting, oh, I'll join, I'll get a ring. He thought, I just need a ring. Once I get a ring, then everyone will realize how great I am. But no, once he got his ring, anything's even worse. Because people lost respect for him for joining that team. For taking, what was it? The the long road or whatever his article said. Yeah, it wasn't no long road. It was the easy road. It was the shortest road in the world. Simple as that. I lost all respect for Kevin Durant there. Whatever he says, like I don't even listen because the guy's crazy. He has a burner phone. He got caught with a burner phone. Burner tweets. Like how how, how soft you have to be to reply with bur- a burner tweets. Imitating someone else just to defend you. And the guy the guy's soft. Like you said, soft as Charmin. Bro, I'm telling you, I can go on and on and on. I find what this guy says sometimes ridiculous. He is still a great player, but bro, Twitter, I'm telling you, is the devil for these NBA players. Just they're in their feelings way too much. They got all these platforms. And don't get me wrong. I want players to have a voice. Player empowerment is the right thing to do. But yo, just get someone to vet what you're going to say sometimes, man. It's ridiculous. But anyways, we got to wrap up this show and we got to hop into the last segment. Games of the week. Slim H, what are you watching? I got one game on my eye. I got the Celtics visiting the Portland Trailblazers Tuesday night. I got two teams fighting for a playoff position in. Celtics currently in seventh spot in the play-in games. Portland in six. I mean, it's a must win for both teams. Nobody wants to be in the play-in games. They want a guaranteed playoff spot. I think Dallas is right behind Portland on their tails. And the Celtics, they're heating up a bit. So whoever wins this is going to have a good chance of getting into the playoffs. Yeah, I know. I think that's a great game. I got two. I got the Heat versus Nuggets because those are the two teams we have on our watch list. It's a solid matchup. Even though Oladipo is out, I still think that's a solid game to watch. Then I also have the Heat versus Nets just because I feel like those are our two top tier teams. Maybe the Sixers are still in there because Embiid's been looking nice since he's been back. But I think it's a, it's a primetime game. It's on Sunday, 3.30, ABC. I think everyone should tune in. Thank you all for tuning in to the Basketball Junkies podcast. The NBA is going to finish strong. Hope you guys follow us on IG and tune in every single week. We keep up with all things NBA. We inform you guys every single week with what's going on. But this is your host, Sadie K. And I'm with my boy, Slim H, signing off. Stay safe, y'all. Peace. Peace.